Thank you, Richard. That was great. Thank you. Um, if you want, do go and grab a Bible at the back because we're going to be looking at those passages and it's great to have it out in front of you. So if you fancy just a bit of a wriggle round as well, you can use it as a great excuse. Um, do go and get grab a Bible. Uh, brilliant. Lovely. So as uh, people are grabbing them, um, I'll just pray as we begin. Father, thank you for this time. I just pray so much that you would speak to us through your living word. God, thank you that you love us so much, that you've left us with your precious word, that we might know you more through it. Amen. If you've been tracking with us at Christchurch W4, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. And, um, oh gosh, I really can't see you guys at all. <laughs> it's really bright up here. I'm still getting used to it. It's quite strange. Um, but we've been tracking a, a series on the Holy Spirit. And I think often in church, we're quite comfortable um, with God the Father, at least in part. The idea that there's an almighty presence of God. We like Jesus. We can do Jesus. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. He commanded us to do lots of great things. And that was, that was really good. The Holy Spirit, I think we're a bit weird about, both in the church and outside of it. Outside the church, what's that? That's a bit weird. Inside the church, we're either like, we love the Holy Spirit, woo, and we're a bit crazy, or we have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I think we kind of go that way. And so the reason we've been doing this series is just to kind of look at what does the Bible teach us about the person of the Holy Spirit? Because our creed says we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. The Holy Spirit gives life and we want that life and we believe the Holy Spirit is God. So today's talk is this. It's about the Holy Spirit being the Holy Spirit of power. So today we're going to be thinking about what the scripture says about the Holy Spirit being the Holy Spirit of power. And throughout scripture, right from Genesis all the way to the end, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of power. Think about this. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, Samuel is about to anoint Saul as the new king of Israel. And Saul is with Samuel. And Samuel says to him, when you leave my presence, Saul, you're going to go on your way home. And as you go home, you're going to meet prophets on the way. You're going to meet worshippers in the temple on your way. And he says this, you will meet them. They'll be playing harps and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. The Holy Spirit, from beginning to the end of Scripture, is a Holy Spirit of power, who when resides in people and on people, brings about transformative change. And that thread is there throughout the whole of Scripture. 
And that Holy Spirit resides in Jesus as he lives and walks on the earth. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus doing amazing miracles and um, incredible things happening through his ministry. And in Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8, Jesus is really clear. He says to his disciples, I want you to continue my mission. You are to proclaim the good news, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse people and drive out demons. For the same spirit that is in me is given and available to you. And I believe that that same spirit is for us today. Now, I want to look at our first reading first. So you turn to John uh, 14, verse 12. Um, it's a tricky verse, and uh, hopefully it'll become clear while we're just kind of having a look at it. But it's one we can get ourselves tied up in knots about when we think about the Holy Spirit. And this it says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, verse 12 of John 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And the reason we struggle with it is because who here has done greater things than Jesus? Who would like to confidently raise their hand this morning and say that they've done greater things than Jesus? Anyone? I thought Ollie might try, but he's broken his hand, so we'll, we'll yeah. No, it's, it's a blank room, isn't it? Nobody here has raised their hand. And so we're like, well, what are you talking about then, Jesus? What, what's this verse about? And so I want us to have a little look at this just quickly together. Firstly... <laughs> Let's talk about the word works, doing greater works. The word work in the Greek is erga. And the word works means all of what Jesus was doing. We can't restrict that word to mean just preaching good news or just doing acts of love and service. It is those things, but it also must include the miraculous as well. But the word talks about everything that Jesus was doing, all of his works. Okay. So, okay. So we're meant to be able to do all of the works of Jesus that Jesus was doing. But surely he doesn't mean greater. What's he saying? Now, this is a little bit uh, more tricky. So let's just look really carefully at this. The word does not mean, because some people have said, well, what Jesus meant when he said greater works was what he meant was that because there's more of us now all following Jesus and we're ministering over a longer period of time, therefore, accumulatively, we have, will all have done more works than Jesus, therefore, greater amount of works. But the verse can't mean that. It can't mean that because there's four different Greek words that he could have used to say that we will do more works. And he doesn't. He says that we will do greater works. But that can't be right, right? Because none of us here in the room put up our hands to say we've done greater works than Jesus. You know, we weren't there at the beginning of the time. We, didn't, we weren't involved with God the Father in flinging stars into space. We haven't defeated death itself. We haven't raised Lazarus from the dead. What does it mean? Well, the clue is in the verse itself. Have you got it open in front of you? It says this. 
anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Here's what I think it's about. The doing greater things does mean that you and I, when we have faith, can do the things Jesus did. The reason they are greater is not because they're going to be better in quality than Jesus. We can't be better than perfection, can we? The reason they're greater is that they're because Jesus has gone to the Father. Jesus has now ascended. When Jesus was walking around on the earth, people didn't fully realize who he was. When he did a miracle, they were like, oh, cool, thank you, follow him. But they didn't really understand the context in which he was operating. They hadn't yet seen him raised from the dead and then ascended into heaven. The reason when the power of the Spirit works through you and I today is greater is because we're now operating in a time where the kingdom of God has been ushered in. So whenever the miraculous happens now, we have a context for it. We have a great big story within which it fits. We can say, we can proclaim with great, that that's a wonderful miracle that's happened. That is a sign and wonder of the ushering in of God's kingdom. And one day we're going to see that in its fullness when Jesus returns and we're welcomed into eternity forever where every tear is dried from our face and where everybody is made whole, body, mind and spirit. And because when we preach that and we proclaim that, we're bringing the whole message with it, it means So let's talk about the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, the same power that's in Jesus within us. And whenever you are fortunate enough to see a miracle on any scale, it is a wonderful thing. It is a precious thing. We're to thank God for it and we're to understand it within the big salvation story of the whole Bible. When I was um, nine years old, I was in church with my mum and my family, and at the end of the, the service, people were being prayed for, and uh, my mum was one of those annoying mums that was often last to leave, and uh, we were praying at the end for this lady, and I was joining in because we were quite a small church, didn't have a Sunday school, so I just kind of joined in, and um, she was lying on the floor, and I knew this lady, Julie, really well. Uh, she started coming to our church for a few months and she walked with a slight hobble because one leg was slightly longer than the other. And if anyone here has experienced that, you'll know that that causes quite a lot of pain all the way up your hips and up your back. And she had two young children and so she just came. She's like, yeah, she's like, I just want prayer for this. Um, we're like, yeah, cool, we're going to pray for you. And as we prayed for her, her leg grew. She stood up and walked out of church straight. Her husband, who was not a believer, came to faith. Her doctor was amazed. She's journeyed with Christ for a long time. My mum became a godparent to her children and da-da-da-da-da. It was an amazing miracle. It was the power of the Holy Spirit at work that day. And it gave glory to God. It was just a testimony that in utter weakness on our own, 
the God of love decided in that moment to bless her in a special way. It was a sign of what's to come for all of us. But I want to suggest today that there are miracles that are even greater than the ones that kind of appear like that when we get to see them. And I want to suggest that the very greatest miracle, the very greatest work of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a miracle of salvation. And over the last couple of weeks, I've had the privilege of interviewing some really interesting people. And I just thought I'd share it with you because they're just such great stories and very, very timely. Um, The first one is a lady called Catherine. And Catherine's written a brilliant book called Walking Through Winter. Catherine experienced uh, four or five miscarriages and then had a stillbirth of her daughter, Libby. She has experienced great pain and trial through that process of desiring children and not being able to have them. And she's written this amazing book, Walking, Walking Through Winter. And I really recommend it. And I know that we're, um, maybe some of us are conscious that we're aware that this week is Baby Loss uh, Remembrance Week. And so we just, I just commend that to you as a resource today, uh, a really brilliant book. But as I was talking to Catherine, and as we were sharing, and I was asking her questions about her faith and everything else, and how she kept going with God, what was apparent was the powerful miracle of the Holy Spirit still breathing life into her place of suffering. And I just was astounded at this gracious human being who was so kind and so loving and so trusting of the Lord despite all that she had suffered, that I was blown away by the miracle that that was. Because I've met plenty of other people for whom bitterness, despair and depression has overtaken at times. And and rightly so, we, we all have those moments. But to travel through that and come out of it, is quite a miracle, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit in her life. Second person I got to interview, um, I got to interview this week. Uh, who uh, remembers watching the Gladiators in the 90s, late 90s, Saturday night television? Anyone wants to give me a wave? Yeah, a few people admitting to their Saturday night viewing of the Gladiators. Um, anyone remember Ace from the Gladiators? Is there a true, there's a true fan down here. Someone remembers Ace from the Gladiators. Okay, he was quite a good-looking one, wasn't he? Yeah, he was quite popular at the time, if you, if you remember. Um, so I had the privilege of interviewing Ace from the Gladiators. Uh, dated uh, Katy Perry, um, has lots of money. No, who is it? Katy Price. I'm really bad with my celebrities. Jordan, that one. I don't know. Dated her, probably dated everyone. Anyway, um, <laughs> one of those... Um, was in Hello Magazine all the time. You know the type of celebrity we're talking about anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, loads of money. Basically had the stuff that this world celebrates. Had fame, had money, had the girls. Sex, power and money, right? Had it all. And yet was utterly empty inside. And he started telling me his story of how he's come to faith 
in Jesus and how now he's found true life in all its fullness. And as I was listening to that story again, I was struck by the work, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit that is involved in wooing a heart that was so depraved and so turned from God to one that now worships God with all his might. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work in our worlds. And I just want to look very briefly at the passage that we had in Acts. So you might want to turn to Acts 1. So the power of the Holy Spirit is working all kinds of ways, but often uh, we're most, most kind of obvious uh, examples are those of powerful healings and, and miracles in nature. And in Acts chapter 3, we have such a story of that. Uh, Peter and John are involved in this miracle. And I just want to point out three things very quickly. Firstly, looking at verse 6. Peter and John are super clear in what they can offer to the man asking for help. They're really clear. It's not money. It's not social care. It's not even friendship. It's not wisdom. It's not teaching. What do they have to offer? Jesus. They're the first to offer him. And they know that with utter confidence. All they have to offer in the situation is Jesus. And I just got thinking and I kind of wondered, I wonder if that's how I operate in my life. Like, you know, when I meet someone in need, am I really like, is my top, all I have to offer you actually is, is Jesus? And I just felt challenged to kind of question myself about the confidence with which I'm operating in, in my life. That my little tidbit of wisdom or a bit of advice here, actually is what I have to offer you is Jesus. When you come and meet me, Jesus. Very freeing. So they're very clear on what they can offer, Jesus. Verse 12, a little bit beyond what was read to us today. They use the opportunity of the miracle to still preach the word of God to the people that are there. You see, it's very important when a miracle happens that we also preach the context within that miracle because that is when we're doing the greater works. Okay, so they're really confident about that and they do that. And then verse 16, I want to just point out that it's through the faith in Jesus, that the miracle has been able to happen. We've spoken the last few weeks about the Holy Spirit being a person. That the Holy Spirit is sensitive. That it is possible for us to grieve the Spirit, the scripture says that. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What blesses the Spirit is our faith. Now, our faith in and of itself is not, not what enables a miracle to happen or, or not happen, because God just is God and sometimes graciously does whatever God's graciously doing. But our faith does impact the environment in which God chooses to operate. 
we know this from the Gospels when Jesus goes to his own hometown and he says, I cannot perform many miracles here because it's, there's not, not faith. The environment is not great. The Holy Spirit's presence is not welcomed. And I would like to suggest to you today that in our culture, there is such a spirit of cynicism that the posture of our hearts is one of often unbelief rather than belief. And therefore our hearts are hardened and it grieves the Holy Spirit and it makes it very hard for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit longs to do. I don't know, some people were honest enough this morning at the 9.30 to tell me it was true. I said, you know, when I told you that story of me being nine and seeing um, the woman's leg grow, did you have a cynical thought? <laughs> and some of them were honest to admit and say, yeah, I did. Yeah. But I just want to challenge us this morning, if that's true, not to leave our brains at the door, because I'm not talking about questioning things. We are definitely allowed to question things. There are plenty of things that happen in crazy religious hype that are not the work of God. And it's okay to question that. It's right and good and proper. But has our questioning led to a degree of cynicism when actually what we've found is that we've got a lack of faith? say to you is this, when is the last time you prayed for a sick person? When is the last time you prayed for a miracle? Is there this morning an opportunity to say, Lord, would you grow my faith a bit in you? Because looking to Jesus more and looking to the darkness around us helps us begin to posture ourselves where we say, well, of course the impossible is possible in you. And my job is just to, just to bring it to you, you know. I'd love it, church, if more people knocked on my door to ask, can you just pray for me because I'm unwell? Because it says in James 5 that prayer of a person of faith is powerful. I'd love it if people came when your marriages are in trouble to ask for prayer, when you're wondering and discerning about what your next step should be, will you come for prayer? There's a powerful Holy Spirit that wants to work in your life and through you. And you, some of us just don't realize <laughs> How powerful it is. We've got this power inside us from God. And it's not scary. It's exciting. Yes, there will be moments of disappointment. Yes, there'll be times when we have to question God. Why this time and not that time did you do this? There'll be times when we wrestle with things. But we'll do that in community and we will do it together. But it says in James 5, come ask the elders to lay their hands on you and to pray for you. And the prayer of a person of faith is powerful. And I want to tell you today that I've got faith 
It might be as small as a mustard seed, but that's all that's left. That's all that's left. I will tell you to go and see your doctor as well. My brother's a doctor. We love the medical profession and God works powerfully through them. We love science and we love researchers and we are grateful for them. But we also have the almighty God and the power of the Holy Spirit that is longing to break in and work more and more and more in our hearts and lives. And so if the Holy Spirit that's in Jesus is still here today, the Holy Spirit power is here and available in this place. And I know some of you have experienced that in your lives in amazing ways with the believers. And we're thankful for that. Some of us maybe yet to start. But faith starts as we begin to believe what we hear, as we listen to scripture and we take it by faith. Let's stand together.